skeletal forms burn toxic green. Vacant eyes lit with everlasting hellfire. version of Let's Watch Scary Movies. We are your hosts. I'm Caitlin. I'm Jenny. I've got some secrets to tell you. It's full of secrets. That's why it's so purple. (laughs) This sound of me drinking. Oh, listen to my glass. You have to chew your sandwich in it. Oh no, that's like mukbang. That's mukbang. What's mukbang? Wrong thing. That's where you like, okay. but it's where like girls eat like, be like a huge cream cake in front of them. And they like eat the whole cream cake like into the microphone. And they're like, they usually have like funny filters on. So they're like little like anime or like bunny rabbits. <laughs> <laughs> and they eat and they're like always like very small girls and they're eating this like huge. Yeah. See, I'm the- not a very small girl. I am like, well, I don't know. You're eating it. <laughs> Ham and pickle. That sounds good, actually. I don't eat ham, weird. but the but the pickle part sounds good. I like that you don't eat ham, but you eat bacon. I eat bacon occasionally. I really like pepperoni. If, yes. Apparently, if it's like a pig face, I'm into it. <laughs> <laughs> Anything other than like the sum of all the parts. If it's actual, like just meat, like pork. No, meat. like I wouldn't no. eat. Isn't gammon? Mm-hmm. Um, no, wouldn't eat that. Wouldn't eat pork chops. Wouldn't eat ribs. I don't eat ribs either. I love ribs. They're too, like, yeah, they're just one part. (laughs) You like your pork reconstituted? 100%. (laughs) Like, the more processed, the better. Um, So welcome to this week's episode of What Kinds of Pork Caitlin Will and Won't Eat. The uh, The ASMR version. Oh, my God. We really should do an entirely whispered episode <laughs> right so well, after that lengthy introduction <laughs> we are talking about the Blair Witch Project and I am excited about it I am too um we had a bit of drama because I had to watch this film but whilst doing other things the other night so all my notes were on my phone and then my phone was stolen so yesterday, when we were supposed to be recording, I spent all day with my friends fighting crime. We became a crime-fighting trio. We tracked <laughs> down my stolen phone across Nottingham. We went across Nottingham. We didn't threaten people, but we made it very clear that we weren't leaving without the phone. We got the police involved. It was all very exciting and very dramatic. Were you, were you like the head detective? No, um, I then... wasn't. I was kind of the... Um, I would say my, my were friend you the was, muscle? Were you the no, muscle? No, no, no. My friend Meg was definitely the muscle. In fact, you okay. had to ask him to maybe tone down the muscle a little bit. Okay. And okay. Yeah. So my, my friend Sam, she uh she called the police for me. And I was just kind of an anxious wreck because my phone is my life. Um well, I think nowadays everyone can agree you literally have everything on your phone. Yeah. From your banking yeah. to your memories and your photographs to anything. I know I jot down like observations and obviously mm-hmm. you had notes for the show on your phone and I mean god knows all the texts that have meaning I mean phones are so much more than just yeah it's yeah that's why I, I was like I completely understand don't worry we'll record whenever you get your phone yeah. back to fight phone crime <laughs> so fight crime so so Sam was like the brains of the group yeah Meg was the brawn yeah um where you, and you were the damsel in distress yeah we were to go full film noir yeah we're going we're going full full film noir full trope all the Speaking tropes. of film noir, Blair Witch Project. Blair Witch Project. I right. Like I want all. to know. I want to know your history with the Blair Witch Project, Caitlin. Oh my god, I'm so excited to tell you because 1999, girls, girls who are 40, I know that you hear me because 1999, that was like senior year of high school, right before the turn of the you know the Y2K. Everyone was freaking out. Computers, the internet, it was all very very new. I think I'd had what was it called? 
you've got mail. <laughs> America Online, because what a name. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> what was happening. America well, was I, online. <laughs> AOL, yes. <laughs> yeah. And so you'd have like that dial-up tone, like everyone knows. It's very ask Jeeves. Oh my gosh. I totally used S, Ask Jeeves. Mm-hmm. I also had a net zero account when that was a thing, <laughs> like email account. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I, I still use actually Zenfairy. Mm-hmm. I still use that as my, that was my, my AOL chat name. Just so everyone knew that I was going to raves. <laughs> so it was clear what group of kids I sat with in high school. <laughs> so when Blair Witch Project came out, I had a really good friend. Shout out to Matt Krizan. He was my super cool, nerdy, geeky, techie, like probably could have been in Hackers friend. And he helped me buy my very first desktop computer. And he told me that there was this movie going around. And he could get me a copy of it. It was a scary movie. And I always, always love scary movies, as we've obviously talked about. And so he gave me like a CD-ROM version of the Blair Witch Project. And I watched it on my, it was a Dell desktop. It was like massive. It was massive as a dinosaur. And that's where I watched the movie. And so I thought it was real. Obviously, then there were rumors that it wasn't real. I think deep down, I probably knew it wasn't. But I loved the idea that it could be. And it's interesting because the directors of the film said in an interview that they always thought that documentary horror movies were scarier than actual horror movies. So what if they used that idea or concept to make a film? And I I just love that because it's so true. So yes, 1999, good year, super fun. Watched it on my Dell desktop. Um, What about you? So 1999, I would have been 14. Um, and I was living in the Highlands of Scotland where it wasn't quite as easy to get hold of these things, but I can remember. So I think, yeah, it was probably out on, on video by the time I saw it, but I can remember everybody going on and on about this horror film that was just terrifying. It was, yeah, like it was real. Like I remember the website, the website still exists in its original form. Like they never updated it. Do you know, I tried to visit it and my phone was like, warned me not to go. To I it. haven't looked at it in a long time, but I know. I don't think it's recently, still working. Maybe, may, I think I tried to look at it before the new, because obviously there's a new Blair Witch that came out in the last year or so, isn't there? So I wonder if I tried to look at it before then and it was still there and maybe now it's not. No. Yeah. Oh, is it gone? Not in- yeah, because I tried to check it the other day, like wishing and hoping. Because yeah. I do remember looking at the website as well. Yeah, because it, it had all the really... missing posters for like... Yes. The, the, for Heather and for Josh and Mike and yeah like these people were really missing or like presumed dead and do you remember that other like little documentary that came out at the curse of the Blair Witch there was yes that they did do you remember that, that was supposed yeah. to be like, and I think I saw that before I saw the Blair Witch because I think that was on like tv or something I think they showed it so on did TV. you did you were you under the impression that it was real or at least there was the Yes, there was a possibility that it was real. And at 14, you know, you're fairly gullible. So let's be honest. And at 17, same. I mean, it was almost like a part of me wanted it to be real because I loved how terrifying it was. Yeah. But I can remember watching it. I can't remember where I was. I don't know when I watched it. But I can remember the first time I watched it. And there was so much about it being like the scariest film you've ever seen that I was like watching it fully with like behind a cushion. And I don't, the first time I watched it, I don't think I actually managed to look at the screen during the last like five minutes of the film because I was just like, oh my God. And then everyone was like, I remember some of my friends, I don't understand like what, what, what just happened. And I think some of my friends were disappointed that there were no jump scares or, or things like that. But that to me, that made it seem more real. You know, oh, it was- that, that's one of the absolute best things about it. Yeah. Completely agree. Yeah. That there's no jump scares. Yeah. So then I didn't watch it again for five or so years. But what I did watch and I did love because I was, you know, 15 at the point it came out, and a goth. I loved the Blair Witch 2. I actually don't have anything against the Blair Witch 2. I think it, I thought it was quite scary. Um, you just have to go in completely not expecting anything like what the first one yeah. was. It and was, they're quite clear about that. They're, it, it's very it's different. Cool. It's a very, that is a very kind of, if you look at the films that came out, the other horror films that came out in like the mid to late nineties and up to like the, probably the early two thousands, it's all very much like teen horror, you know, scream. And I know what you did last summer, the faculty, um, cherry falls, urban legend, which I have a real soft spot for all these films. So I was fine with it. And the Blair Witch two is very much in that vein. It's a bunch of young people who love the films 
uh, loved the film. They want, you know, thought the movie's cool. Some of them are believers, some aren't. And they go to where it was filmed. So, yeah, I tried to, I watched that again fairly recently because I think it was on Shudder when I first got Shudder. It is not a good film. <laughs> Considering how much yeah. I liked it. I think maybe, again, like you said, if I went in just like, oh, yeah, this is a shit film. But I remember how much I loved it. And I tried to watch it and I'm like, oh, man, this is this is terrible. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's still good fun. To be fair, yeah, I haven't come back to it and like circled back to watch it again. Next time we're together, we it. should. It's like a party film, you know. It's definitely one that we can put on when we've had a few drinks and okay, yeah, have a laugh with. I'm up for that. I'm yeah. up for that. But I do think it's interesting everything you're saying about the second part. I don't know how many years later did it come out after the first I one. I think it was probably like 2001, maybe. Because the whole thing I think about the Blair Witch 1999 version, like the verge of the internet, all of this kind of stuff, it was like the stars aligned in just the right places where this type of film worked so perfectly because things were just starting to like, quote unquote, go viral. This wasn't really a thing yet. You might even say this is one of the first things that kind of did that. I would definitely say it's the first film that had a viral marketing campaign. I mean, I they were so clever about it. Yeah. yeah. And and so I think as well, found footage, while it is not the first found footage film, it kind of started a resurgence in found footage. And you and I both sort of, we were texting prior to this. I'm not a fan of found footage, but this one, the way it was marketed, not knowing whether or not it was real in that first instance, if you were living in the 90s. Mm-hmm. And watching it and how the directors did it. And I think once we get into the breakdown, I'll talk more about that just as a, from a theater perspective, like improvisation, the way that they chose to do it and how well, how realistic it is. Because mm-hmm. when I thought, when, when you chose the Blair Witch, I was kind of like, okay, it's a good film. I know it is. I haven't seen it in a long time intentionally because the less you see it, the more impact it has, right? Yeah. You don't, don't want to watch it to death. So one of the things I remembered was about the lead female character, which is Heather, who's totally me. She's completely me. She's a director. She's bossy. She's domineering. She feels like she's she's a smart ass. She's got to always have an answer. Told this was totally me in the nineties. <laughs> yeah, 100%. the nineties. But I remember looking back, thinking like, "Oh God, I kind of remember it being sort of annoying at times." I don't know if I'm going to enjoy it, but okay, Blair Witch, let's do it. And yeah, sort of coming back to it from having not seen it in so long with a refreshed view of it was really helpful. Mm-hmm. And I really just got stuck in and and let it take me away. So. Yeah, yeah. I, don't, so, I don't really know where I was going with that, but yeah. <laughs> before before we go into the breakdown, I kind of just want to talk about why what Blair Witch was one of the ones I was thinking about. So obviously, in the last few episodes, we've done Midsummer, and then we've done The Witch, and now we're doing the Blair Witch Project, and it's kind of because one of the topics, kind of like genres, I guess, like subgenres, I really wanted to do because I'm really interested in is folk horror. But the thing with folk horror is you have it's, it's a very difficult genre to define. And there are a lot of people, it's, it's probably one of the least easy to kind of point your finger at and say, that's a folk horror, because there's no real concrete definition of what a folk horror film is. But there are themes that run through all of them that, to me, make it a folk horror. And The Blair Witch is definitely one of them. Whereas if you go in and look at folk horror from a very academic point, the three films that everyone always talks about is The Witchfinder General, Vincent mm-hmm. Price. Um, I've seen it. I think I've seen it with you, actually. Yeah, probably The Wicker Man. The original scene. That's the first one I think of, for sure. Yes, exactly. And Blood on Satan's Claw. Hold up. Beep, 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 beep. Don't know that film. <laughs> well, that was we the need, one. We need to put this on the list. Well, no, this was the one initially I said that we should do this week. Blood on Satan's Claw. Oh, I thought Claw. you said the worm. The white, the oh, white no, worm. yeah, the lair of the white worm. That's the one I wanted to do. Yes, but um, so... Blood on Satan's Claw is definitely a film I think that we should watch together. Me and Andy watched it the other night just because I haven't watched it in years and I don't think he'd ever seen it before. But it is it is um, another 70s British film. This one's very much like children. They, you know, it's set in like the, I think the 1800s maybe in rural England and they dig something up and it's supposed, and the children of the town all become like a bit satanic and like uh, there's like sacrifices happening in the woods and they're all led by this beautiful teenage girl called Angel who kind of dances around the woods in a white dress and corrupts all the innocent children kind of thing but yeah those three films they all have very strong themes of they're you know all in rural settings it's all isolated communities but it's all like there's something evil in the soil. It's, you know, the fear of the old, basically. Yeah, I was thinking of like, does it have anything to do with sort of 
folk folk tales. Well, yes, yeah, exactly. Folk um, stories or being based on sort of urban localized legend. Yeah, and it has to be something old. So I have been thinking about various films that I would class as folk horrors. And yeah, obviously there's the Midsummer definitely is a folk horror. because so we've had a kind of a, a modern resurgence of folk horror in the last few years with films like The Witch and Midsummer. Um, there are a few other ones that like the ritual that is supposed to be really good. Oh, and yeah. That definitely is very that is folk good. horror. Yeah. I've seen it. Yeah. Um there are a few other ones that that come up that I've forgotten. There's a guy, a British director called Ben Wheatley, who's done a few like sightsee sightseers, sightseekers, and the kill list, I think. They're supposed oh, to be. Oh, did he do um like uh, the butcher something about a butcher i can't remember off the top of my head but yeah but he's very yeah he's one of these directors fields of england fields yes of england. yeah 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 Feel, yeah okay yeah so he's really into reviving british folk horror but i'm kind of more interested in the wider spectrum and blair witch to me is not a mod um, it's not a modern film in it's kind of almost in between so obviously now that the first films all came out in like the, the late 60s early 70s uh, the films that are you know, the, the unholy trinity they're, they're known these as these days like which one general the command blood on satan's claw and then so they were the original ones and then we had the new ones like midsummer and to some extent get out has a lot of folk horror vibes to it, it has a very folk horror feel to it um but i'm quite interested in now looking at some of the middle ones and yeah, I mean, maybe we'll go back and do Blood on Satan's Claw or the funny one that I wanted us to do, The Lair of the White Worm, which is an 80s one that is absolutely insane, starring a very young Hugh Grant and Peter Capaldi with some very 80s cheese. <laughs> so yeah, we'll watch that. Oh, but, um, yes. <laughs> ones I've been thinking about from like, the 90s because it's kind of harder to play. So I was like, well, the Blair Witch Project falls into it. And to some extent, and something I'll be interested to look at maybe a bit more is Candyman. Because sure. Candyman, it's it's an urban mm. one, but it's very much you know an isolated community, a, a stranger walking into this isolated community, and falling into a folktale. It's a modern mm. folktale, but it's still a folktale. Not modern, modern, you know. But yeah, no offense, but most of American history is fairly modern to, <laughs> to us. Because well, there if you look at the first Candyman, they go into like the origin of it a exactly, bit, and that's that's one of the things back, that I so, find quite yeah. interesting. So yeah. That was why when we were thinking of doing a folk horror, I was like, well, we could, I could take you down the really old 70s route, maybe early 80s. But let's have a look at something interesting. Let's go mid-90s. Let's go Blair Witch. Yeah, and I, I, I enjoyed it so much more than I was expecting to. Yes. Should, should we let's get into it? it. Let's get into it. Let's go. Now it's time for a breakdown. Welcome. It's 1999. The internet's really slow. <laughs> <laughs> you have to come off it at six o'clock because it gets more expensive or if your mom wants to phone your aunt there's a bunch of like point ones and zeros going to be added on to all the numbers in the internet and so the yep. world is going to end why do you so that's happening yep. um <laughs> so we've got the Blair Witch Project Daniel Myrick forgive me if I'm pronouncing that wrong and Eduardo Sanchez uh writers and directors apparently uh, on a budget of 30 to 60 K dollars, which is like nothing. Apparently the final budget was a bit more, but I mean, if you think about it, yeah. 30 K that's like someone that's like a, and think about how much they've made, like how much this film made a fortune. Absolutely. It, it is considered one of the most successful horrors, like based purely on the on financial. The yeah. Yeah. So opening credit in 1994, three filmmakers disappear in the woods near Burkittsville, Maryland. And then it's like, it says something like this, this is the footage that they found. Yeah. Straight, it just jumps straight in, like straight out the gate. Very simple credits, nothing. Nothing elaborate or no, foreboding no or no. No, just matter of fact. And I think they did some clever things here. One, they did it a few years prior. I think they were actually filming in like 97. And so to put it in 94 is smart because they it means that all the equipment that's in the film is just old enough to be cheap. Yeah. So all of the the dat like sound camera that they get like her handheld it's all just that few years behind that you could pick it up really really cheap so keep the budget low so yeah. i thought that was clever obviously like the setting the number of people in the cast all of the other really smart choices in terms of when you're producing something really low budget which if you've done french theater you know you become like the master of that <laughs> so like you're just really good at making something out of nothing so and and I think I read that in the um auditions for these actors it was really based very highly on their improvisational skills 
I think when Heather Donahue, I think she told a story, I think it was her, when she went in for an interview, they were like, so you're do like, basically you're allowed to be out on parole. Tell us why we should let you out on parole. And that was like the first question I asked her. <laughs> and she just had to be like, make stuff up. So they hired three actors with all of them, I think are fantastic, just in terms of believability. So you first get Heather and she is, I think, arriving at Josh's house. So, so yeah, friend Josh, they it pretty clearly they're it's she sh- that they they're filming and that yeah. So Heather and Josh know each other, and Heather's. I love the fact that all this there are we we see two different kind of perspectives in this film because they have two cameras. They have the sixteen millimeter one, which is the, all the black and white footage, which is the one they're filming the documentary on. So I love that because it's very it's a very kind of almost like a very like altered viewpoint you're seeing a very curated viewpoint this is them filming shots that they want to be in the documentary and then you have your like heather's handheld camera which is the color all the color footage we see which is her almost making her own documentary about making a documentary so yeah i really liked that yes well and i think it's really smart to sort of use so you're using this sort of older technology for us, especially in 2022. So it's very pixelated, which adds a lot to like not quite seeing what's there and what's the monster. And then when yeah. we're sort of moving between the black and white, obviously the black and white is also, I mean, there's so many scenes that are just pure darkness. Yeah. And and they use it so effectively. And so, but then equally, you don't get tired of it because you do get color. So you can kind of get a feel for what it probably looked like in terms of what they were seeing. But yeah, you get both and it's brilliant. Agreed. Yep. I love that. So yeah, when we first um, come into it, you, you kind of get the color video, which is um, just the handheld, and it's Heather saying, "Oh, this is my you know nice, comfy house." So Josh is filming. Like this is what I'm giving up for the weekend <laughs> to go and film. And then yeah, you kind of see and they're like packing the van and talking about going to pick up Mike. And they get to Mike's house and there's like crazy music playing. And this is about and he leans in, he's like, "Bye, mom." <laughs> Something. <laughs> But they do two things really well, really quickly. One mm-hmm. is that they establish that um, Heather and Josh are mates mm-hmm. um, and Mike is Josh's friend that he's brought in to yeah. do sound. Yeah. I believe sounds. Yeah. And yeah, so, he's there to, he provides the, the dats. Um, and the other yeah. thing they do really, really cleverly is that, you know, obviously they're doing all the preparation for camping stuff. So they're going to the grocery store. They're being funny. You're getting lots of kind of comic dynamic between them. Um, but they're also, they start interviewing local people. And so you kind of start, uh, you start to get a lot of information really quickly and the setup, it, it just works really well. So they're, they, they interview the waitress, they interview just a couple of local, there's a mom with a baby, a, a couple of other locals, the folklore behind it. Really. Yeah. I love the bit where they're just kind of going around talking to the random people in the town. Yeah. They, they ask the waitress, do you know anything about the Blair Witch? And she's like, um, well, my sister used to go to Blair High School because they've changed the name of the town from Blair. But obviously the school, it's obviously quite a modern change if, if this girl's sister with the school was still Blair at this point. Yeah, and then like in the middle of this, we have the kind of the opening scene, which is in a cemetery in, in the town. And it's Heather doing this very kind of cheesy describing the history. And before yeah. they've got they've got the first um the slate while they're filming it. And I think it's like Mike's like, oh, should we like cut our fingers and do a bloodletting on the slate? Foreshadowing. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And then we go back to like Heather on, in the cemetery all in black and white. And she's like, yeah, it's very kind of the history but the, of the town was this. Well, it's like, it's yeah. the movie within the movie. Exactly. Within the movie, right. I yeah. mean, the documentary within the film that they're seeing, which we think is a documentary. Exactly. So yeah. And lots of, lots of dead kids in the forties. And you just kind of start to hear what seems to be, it's like a local legend. So everybody's got different stories, right? Yeah. There's a crazy guy named Robert Parr. Russell. Who, Russell? Russell RP. <laughs> yeah. We've got, and I've he, got Russell Parr. What did I say? Robert? Yeah. Who knows? Rory. Maybe that was his brother. Maybe they brother called Robert. <laughs> but he would kill children and he'd make one stand in the corner and face the wall while he killed the other one. So that kind of comes into play later, obviously. And then... Yeah, he said uh, he was possessed Rob- by the Blair Witch, didn't he? That's why he did it. And then there was one, this one said, I think this is a little later when they're fishing. There's that story about a woman, Robin Weaver, who disappeared and came back a few days later babbling about 
um, a woman whose feet never touched the ground. Yes. And we also hear from someone talking about those are kind of a murder at Coffin Rock, which I kind of feel like if you call a rock Coffin Rock, you're just asking for like weird shit to happen. But Um, you know, there's, especially in America, there's all kinds of devil's rock. Like we have, I know we have um, Demon's Landing. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously, that's a place in Florida. (laughs) 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 We we just like to, you know, test the water. Yeah. (laughs) Let's just see. Let's, let's, you know, we're not sure if this, this, if this new promised land is is evil or not. Let's just test it by calling something the Demon's Landing. (laughs) it's actually really beautiful you park or you you don't park your boat you dock your boat there oh very nice yeah so anyway the, the, the woods are haunted there was a crazy lady named mary brown yeah and they actually go to mary brown's house and she's a little loopy she's just kind of an older lady and she tells a story about a woman being covered in fur so you're just kind of hearing all these different <clears throat> stories and i think that they are a little a little bit condescending a little yes. bit you know they, they're kind of laughing about it I think they're not they're obviously not taking it seriously they're not being outright disrespectful but behind yeah so the after they interviewed that Mary woman in the car yeah. they're like oh did you hear she said that she's well she's a ballerina she's a scientist working for like the energy company she's a historian <laughs> yeah. Um, and they were kind of laughing at her a little bit but yeah and then I love that scene where they're talking to the woman with the kid just in the street and they're asking her like about the Blair Witch legends and she's like telling stories and the little she's holding her little girl and her little girl just starts freaking out and she's like no 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 and the mom's like oh it's okay honey I'm just telling the scary story it's not real and then she looks at the camera and she went it is real (laughs) did she yeah Oh, I thought she said something like, I believe it enough that I won't go up Yeah, there. later she does. But yeah, when she's like calming the little girl, she's like, it's okay. I'm just telling these people a scary story. It's not real. And then she looks at the camera and she's like, it is real. <laughs> so then they go, they're like, in, they go to this for the first night in a hotel and they're still all really happy and they're drinking and they're drinking, celebrating yeah. like their first, finishing their first day of filming. And Heather's like, tomorrow's going to be a lot tougher. We've got a lot of hiking to do. Um, so yeah, they kind of, the next morning, they're all a bit like tired. They've obviously had a few drinks the night before and they're getting set up and they drive out to the woods and they start walking. And that's where they think that's when they meet the fishermen because they meet the fishermen, I think are the last people to see them before they go off into the woods. Um, so they, yeah, they leave the car on the side of the road, begin hiking and they're on route to Coffin Rock. And so they reach Coffin Rock and they shoot another scene for the documentary there, um, she reads a story, Heather reads a story about these bodies being bound, uh, five men's bodies being bound together and their intestines ripped out and just killed really horribly. Yeah, it was like a ritualistic then, killing and like the person, the people go back to town to report it and by the time they come back, they see vultures there, but the people are gone, the, the bodies are gone, but it's like, oh, the smell of death and decay was still in the air. And so then they... Um, and then they set up camp basically yep. for their first their first night. Uh, it's like night one camping. So they are woken up by some noises. It's it, to me it sounds almost like cracking, like snapping sticks. Yeah. So yeah, the, the first night they're like they kind of hear noises, but they they kind of sleep through it almost because they're talking about it in the morning, and they're all sharing like the one tent. And yeah, Josh is like, yeah, um, there were noises coming from like a layer of sound. And he's like, you know, some of it could have just been an owl, but some of it definitely sounds like cackling. Because Mike's like, if I heard cackling, I would have shit myself. Yeah. (laughs) And yeah, and they start walking and it's raining and not very nice. And they're all at this point, the two boys, because Heather is in charge. She's got the map. She knows where they're going. And they're walking and they're kind of jokingly at this point, accusing Heather of not being able to read the map and getting them lost. And she's like, no, I know exactly where we're going. Like, it's fine. It's just... She's saying, oh, it's two hours and they've been walking for five hours and not found anything. And she's like, no, 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 it's fine. It's fine. Like, it's just taking us longer. Let's go. And then I've got that they start doing this weird thing where they start filming Mike without his shirt on, which was a very odd scene. He's like, oh, this is our first shot of Mike, like, topless. And he's like, look at his weird patches of hair. And then they start comparing the weird patches of hair to, like, countries. Like, oh, I found Peru or I found Argentina. And then he just turns around and is like, you should see my ass. I'm like, why? What's on your ass? Russia? Like, 
Do you have like a whole continent of hair just on your ass? Like <laughs> it's funny that you bring that scene up because I sort of just like glossed over it in my mind. It's like it's very strange now that you yeah. Yeah. bring it up. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I um, quite like I... it in some ways because it's supposed to, you know, just showing people, you know, that they're, they're they're out in the woods. They they are a bit lost and it's a bit wet, but they're still having fun at this point and they're still, you know, fairly optimistic about their day in camping. Absolutely. And and again, it is a realistic dynamic between people who start to get on each other's nerves a little bit and become uh, over a slow progression of time, like more and more lost and frustrated and hungry yeah. and irritable. So, but it's nice to have the beginning bits where there is that camaraderie and a little bit of comedy because that's what balances the movie and also makes them likable and makes you care what happens to them. So character development. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Important. So as they're on their way, now they're looking for a cemetery, um, I believe. And yes. they, fi- they find piles of rocks in a tree mm-hmm. and piles of rocks on the ground, just like little car- cairns. Cairns, yeah. Um, and so then, then it's time to set up camp for the second night and they wake up to noises. This yes. time they fully, they fully wake up. And like, so it's like um, cracking sticks and it's coming from like all around them. And yeah. Yeah. And Heather, obviously she wants to film everything. It's part of the documentary. So she gets the camera out and and then it's just kind of the next day. That's really all that happens. That, that, yeah, it's that like, it's, it's not right, but you know. It start, but it starts raining. It's raining really heavily. And they're kind of, they're arguing more. She's she's really, you get the sense that she's really trying to hold things together. And Mike's obviously panicking because he's meant to return the dad and be back at work. Yeah. So the dad, just for people who don't know, that's the sound. It's the sound equipment. It's much more expensive than the cameras. Well, depending. In this case, I think it was. He borrowed it from school. That's the feeling I got from a friend or something. And he had to get it back. So he was panicking about that. All of which, again, really feeds into this really realistic feeling of this documentary. Yeah, you know. To believe that it's real. Like, he he thinks, Mike says he signs up for it because he thought it was like a scouted trail that basically I think he thinks that they're following a marked trail. It's just like all flat because he says at some point, like, Oh, I like a flat trail Whereas she's got them hiking up and down like hills and things. And this is a lot bigger and more kind of dangerous and hard work than he was anticipating when he agreed to the, to the job, I think. And when they, when they wake up and they're all kind of bickering a bit and they've realized that there are now three piles of rocks around their tents Yes. And Heather's like, this is really weird. And then the boy's like, are you sure they weren't there last night? And he's like, and she's like, well, what? So we just managed to set up camp, bang, like perfectly in the middle of three piles of rocks. But this is, just to point out, the third night, which was, the third night was the unexpected night. They were meant to do two nights out there and be back. So on the third night, not only do they hear these sounds, which he says, quote, on all sides of us, Josh says yeah. that. And that just gives me shivers. Like, yeah. And, and they start- a lot of darkness but he managed to capture some sound on the dad which he said sounded like footsteps yeah but yeah and then they, that they discover the rocks and she's super delaying right like yeah yeah the guys are like let's go let's go right now and she's like what one second just I'm like stop right it now. yeah <laughs> i just need to and yeah they start like yeah she's even says Somebody's like i can't I can't believe we have to leave just as shit starts happening because one of the boys is like we're obviously not wanted here because at this point they're like it must be someone from the town fucking with us. And I think yeah. it's 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 Mike is like, oh, or Josh, one of the boys is like, oh, well, we are really deep in the woods. I don't want to get involved with anybody who thinks it's funny to come out all this way to fuck with us because they're not right. And that's creepy too. Yeah. Right? Like Because there's a few mentions of that. things like deliverance, you know, they're out in the middle of the woods. Maybe it's just some people that live out in the middle of the woods. We are like a pig. Make, doesn't it make you think like people who live out in the woods? <laughs> those are my relatives <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like Josh has some really good lines here he says and I quote they're, as they're arguing he's like you want to film rocks <laughs> <laughs> she really does want to they're film spooky rocks. rocks I know <laughs> I mean, anyway, let's so that, film some spooky rocks I mean I think that rocks can be very spooky and magical mm. and interesting and not just cans 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 can c-a-i-r-n I always thought you said Karen. 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 Yeah. Karen. Karen. It sounds, like, it sounds like you're saying Karen. 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 <laughs> I am saying Karen. <laughs> no, it's not Karen. Karen. Like you're saying Karen. 
I know her. <laughs> so she does love filming rocks. Anyway, then then you have this sort of real turning point in the film where the map is missing. Yeah, and like I, I feel really bad for Heather in this scene because yeah, she is. I mean, the boys are struggling. I think dealing with a bossy woman. I do think that they, at this point, you know, at, fi- at first they're okay, but they're getting more and more annoyed with her, and they don't trust that she knows what she's doing. Where I think she does. It's not her fault that things aren't oh, going right. I- I think she knew where they were going. Yeah. She's the one that showed up with a compass and a map. They didn't show up with anything. No, exactly. They were Um, happy to let her lead, I think, to some extent, if they could be lazy about it. They were happy. But then when it wasn't working out, it wasn't was it when it wasn't as easy as they wanted it to be, then they started blaming her for that. Of course. Yeah. And you know, tempers are fraying and she's like, because the day before they were complaining about how long it was taking, so they had to stop and she had to get the map out and give it to the boys so that they could see it. At that point, Mike's like, this is useless to me. Like, I have no idea I can't read a map. And Heather can, and she knows where she's going. and She's following the map properly. But yeah, so she wakes up and the map's gone. And the boys, and she's like, come on, guys, which one of you has it? And both of them are like, no, 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 neither of us have it. You've lost it. Or what have you done with it? I don't want to spend time emptying out the pack. And, and Heather and Josh, who are the two friends, they are the ones who are fighting. And Mike's kind of walked off and he's like, come on, guys, let's just, you know, start going. Well, They'd- yeah. And so and so and, sh- and they think she's hit hiding the map from them to stay. Yeah. That's their mentality. They're like, we know you want to stay here and film rocks. So clearly you're pretending like the map is gone so that you can stay. Mm-hmm. And she it's genuinely missing. So, of course, at this point in the film, I'm thinking, well, the Blair Witch took it. That's what yeah, I'm thinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, ooh, <laughs> Blair Witch has stolen it. But yeah, so they're mad at her. And they're, the dynamic now is really, really tense. Um, and so and Jock starts to make the point that he, his girlfriend's going to be looking for him people are going to be looking for them like people just don't really go missing in America these days well I had to laugh at that because she's like this is America you can't get lost it's like virtually impossible to get lost here I don't know where you're from like <laughs> I mean I think that later when they get angry their accent's going to come out I think they're all like New York or Northerners anyway mm-hmm. um, so I mean yeah, in America, people definitely do go missing. There are parts of America that are like huge. Yeah, parts of, like, I'm like how uh, and this point, of wilderness and I mountains. That was, and... I think she, I know she was trying to maybe like boost morale, but I was like, how yeah. arrogant <laughs> are you being at this point? Where you're like, we've we've devastated like eighty percent of our natural resources. It is virtually impossible to get lost in America these days. We'll be found. And it's like, bitch, you have been lost in the woods for three days. Do you really think at this point? <laughs> Well, at this point, they're only one day out past yeah, when they were meant yeah, yeah. to be gone. Yeah. So, you know, even still, people are going to, it's going to take a little while for people to come track you down. So I, I, I couldn't help but think, though, I was like, ah, oh, the days before smartphones. Not to <laughs> yes. say that necessarily one would have worked out yeah. that deep in the woods anyway. But I mean, I was just thinking like, God, I don't know. I, I use the map on my smartphone for everything. Yeah. And I love so, this because they're, yeah, they're, lost, they're still lost in the woods and they're walking in and things are starting to calm down a little bit. And Josh says something and Heather's like, look, like, do you have the map? I don't mind if you keep it. I, it'll just make me feel better. Just tell me. And Mike yeah. just goes insane and starts laughing. He's just wandering around laughing. And they're like, what's so funny? And he's like, I kicked that fucking map into the creek yesterday. And they all freeze and they're like, you're joking. And he's like, it was useless. So I, I fucking kicked it. I thought you saw. And this is the first point where we properly see Heather lose it. We, yeah. Like you see the, the fear that she's been keeping down and potentially being lost. You see it just, that's it. She, she, for, for about three minutes, she's just completely lost all, you know, all control. She is. She starts screaming at him. She physically, she flies at him. Yeah. To like she's physically like, attack him. Yeah, like, you're she, a fucking asshole. If we get hurt or die up here, it's your fucking fault. It's your fault. Yeah. yeah. And, well, like, and and they've already been acting a little bit loopy. I feel like yeah, you know, definitely. They're, they're, it's it probably all feels a little surreal for them. So she's screaming. The guys start fighting. It just immediately that whole moment ratchets the tension up. Like it's like bloop, turn it up to eleven. Yeah. It was already at like at seven. Now let's turn it up. So yeah, they stop for a bit, and then that's when they and I love 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 the scene. They find all the the symbols and the trees all the stick men all those yeah yeah. that very famous emblem Blair Witch uh symbol Uh, they're all hanging from the trees and there's some of them are massive some of them are tiny some of them are furry and what I love about it is that Heather you can tell she can't stop looking 
And so you get some really, it's like, it really satisfies the voyeur inside of you, right? Yeah. You, you never see the witch. No. Sorry. Well, we're deep into the spoiler alert, but yeah. yeah. But so I feel like they, they have to give you satisfaction in other ways. And this is one of those scenes. Like you can feast your eyes on them as if you were yeah. there. And this is and one she- of those ones where you get, uh, she's filming it all with the 16 like camera. She's all the black and white shots and things. Cause it's like, this is what she wanted. You know, she's, she's out here to make a documentary. And yeah, getting lost and all that shit is bad, but at least now she has some sort of payoff for everything they're going through. Absolutely. And it's such a creepy scene because the Mm -hmm. sun is going down and you can see it starts to get darker, even as she's filming and she's just doing this slow pan on all of them. Love, love, love it. Yeah. So um, (laughs) then the boys start freaking out, obviously, because it's really creepy. And I think Josh calls out, He's like, no redneck is this creative. I'm getting out of here. It was just one of those great lines that I'd miss. I think rednecks can be very creative. That's very, and that's very close-minded of Josh. Right? I feel like yeah. right. I should be defending that. I just thought it was hysterical. So, <laughs> but she can't seem to stop filming. And then Mikey, he starts screaming. He's just like, help. He just starts yeah. screaming. Like, oh yeah. Let's... Us, like, help. And so they decide they're all going to stay in the tent together because they have they're to not going to have a fire this is now like the fourth or the fifth night it's the third yeah. night in the woods um because the first night was a hotel but yeah it's their third night in the woods and they say like we're not doing a fire tonight because the first night we didn't like a fire no one fucked with us the last two nights with a fire people have been fucking with us and yeah so they get into the tent and they're all kind of settling down and then something happens something is freaking them out and i couldn't figure out if it was obviously they could hear the noises but then was something like could they see like a silhouette against the tent or something? No, that's so funny. I was going to ask you too, because it's very unclear. The, what I think is happening is something is scratching yeah. on the tent. And you can't really see. There is a silhouette outside of it. And then there's scratching. Yeah. And the then you can hear. I, At first I thought it was them. But then you can also hear. Because they all get out the tent. And Heather's like, let me get my jeans on. She's like scrambling to get back into her jeans. And they all flee out the tent, all three of them. And they've yeah. got the cameras. And this is that very famous scene where they're all running through the woods like, ah. Like, like, and, she, and Heather's kind of filming it's all from Heather's perspective we see this part um, with the camera and she's got just a little handheld so it's all in colour but it's very dark and yeah you get glimpses at first and she's following Mike or Josh and then she kind of loses them and you can hear like you can hear the other two like shouting out like where are you where are you kind of thing or like run run but then you can also hear like laughing and like a baby screaming there's like a weird like a small child or a baby because I think one of them says like there's no baby out here like but yeah it's just really unsettling noises that you shouldn't be hearing in the middle of the night in the middle of the woods. I did, yeah, it is. I, you hear like more of that cracking sound, yeah. which they kind of said cackling, but I, I'm getting like yeah, snapping twigs. Um, and yeah, just kind of vocalized noises. I didn't get kid or baby, but it, it's a very chaotic yeah, scene. Yeah, it's very it's meant chaotic. To be. And so I would guess probably people hear different yeah. things that's kind of the beauty of it right so but yeah at one point they they turn off the lights and they're sitting in just pure darkness and you can just yeah. hear them breathing and it is so terrifying I actually yeah. kept waiting for it to end because it was so unbearable that scene so I was like oh my god what's it gonna end and then finally the sun comes up the sun comes up yeah um, yeah they even say the so. sun's up we're okay now and they go back to the camp and everything's trashed it's but then they realize after a while it's Josh's stuff that's been fucked with like Josh's yeah. stuff's weird. And then they're like, oh, it's all wet. And then they touch something and it's like all oh, this weird slime is on is on the ground. And they're like, why is it just your stuff, Josh? Like, kind of like, well, why is it just Josh's stuff? Like they don't understand what's happening. But yeah. And then at some point right around here, they they pack up and they start walking. And I believe they're they're walking south. Yeah. Um, she, she's the only thing they've got is the compass. So she's just like, if we go south, eventually we will we'll get somewhere, yeah. um, which seems like a totally solid plan to me. I would probably do the same thing because if you walk in one direction from what you recall from the map, eventually you're going to hit some sort of civilization, right? I mean, that's yeah. what they're thinking. So, but at some point they're again like arguing, and Josh, Josh has got the camera. He's got the handheld camera because the whole so way through she, this, they've been shouting at Heather, haven't they? Like, why are you always filming all the time? Like, put the, like, put down the fucking camera, stop it! Like, put down the camera. Um, and also, you've seen you've seen much less of Heather because she's yeah. been doing all the filming. Yeah. So you've only seen her appear in there, especially more concentrated in the beginning. But right around this part, 
Josh flips the perspective, doesn't he? Yeah. And so he right around here, you start seeing more of, of Heather being on camera and her reaction to things. And he makes this great comment about saying like, I can see why you like to be behind the camera. It's like a different reality. It's like yeah, it's, it's not reality. real. It's filtered. Almost like yeah. this is how she's been keeping her shit together. She's been watching everything through from behind the, ca- from from the, the, the camera screen. Yeah. So it's like she's felt stepped back from it. Like it's not all happening to her because she has this protective layer of just like this glass, you know, this glass screen, which makes which sense I, because I loved yeah. it. I loved that line. Yeah. yeah. Like, have you ever, was, I've done it once or twice where if I'm watching something really scary and I'm on my phone and I'll be like, you know, I might be doing, I'll just open Snapchat and I'll kind of just watch <laughs> something scary, like through my phone on the screen. So I do get very scared <laughs> quite easily. I've never, I've never hidden that. And yeah, it is kind of like, even though I'm still in the same room watching the same thing, it's like just that extra step back. Just it almost uh, is like a little allows you to compartmentalize yeah, a little bit. Exactly. Like, this is happening over here, and this is happening over here, and there's this um, barrier between yes. it, uh, between reality and and what I'm feeling. And so I thought I loved this line in a sense as well that like we're watching a documentary, right? Like we're watching their experience through our own barrier. We are not actually there. So I just, I loved that whole part. I thought it was very self-aware. And I wonder if that's like one of the lines that one of the directors kind of gave them or if it's just something that Josh came up with because I I loved it. But also I think it's worth mentioning here. We kind of touched on it earlier. So the way that the directors filmed this was they would leave like little notes and they would leave things for them to find naturally. So like the, the stone... Karen's things like that, <laughs> and so they, and poor the, Karen's they, just all these stone <laughs> these stone Karens out in the woods, or is it stoned the, Karens? Oh, stoned Karen! <laughs> I know a few stoned Karen. Yeah, <laughs> and all the like um, symbols hanging in the tree. Like the directors would leave that, and they'd also leave notes for the actors. Just like the morning of the map argument, right? Yeah, it's probably probably they took the map in the night, like the directors. Yeah, and then left a little note for Mike saying. At some you know, point today, at, you're going to admit some to this. Point, exactly. And so I love that because, it, first of all, it, the whole thing's super realistic. The way that yeah. they talk to each other, it's all improvised, right? They, they've just got a very vague sense of where the day needs to go. Yeah. And the directors were camping nearby them to make sure that they stayed on track. So I really, I just think, what a way, it's such a guerrilla style of, of Absolutely. And, and I, I, love love the, I love the story that obviously, like, in regards to what they were given, so they were all starving because they basically would give them rations and they would have like some fruit and a cereal bar or a protein bar to kind of get them through the day. But at nighttime, when the directors and things, they'd make them go into the tents. And while they were setting everything up for the next day, they'd be like, you have to stay in the tent. And the code word for when they could leave the tent was taco. And it's like, these poor, these poor fuckers, you've dragged these three actors out into the woods, making them improvise. And apparently a couple of times they did wander off track and they did get lost. Um, so you've got these poor, starving actors, and you're making them sit in their tent, and and the code word is taco. And I've taco. Got to I could go for a taco right now. That's just mean. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so then you you kind of get to the. They're walking south all day, and they they realize that they've passed the same log or the same creek or something. Yeah, again. there's a creek with a log over it, and they've already crossed that. And so they realize that they have to basically camp in the yeah. same places as they did the night before, which is so creepy to me like imagine that and and mike again with the lines he's at one point he's like we've got lots to do we got to make shifts yeah i was thinking like what else do you need to do other than put the tent up and make shifts oh well no because they do because they get into the tent and they start sewing their pants because it's like why are we even bothering to sew our pants at this point and heather's like i just want to be as comfortable as possible so obviously they're like ripped their clothes have ripped while they've been doing all this and they're talking about what they want to eat and i've got written down they're sewing pants and talking about mashed potatoes (laughs) <laughs> they got stuff to do they got yeah. shifts to make things to sew but yeah mashed potatoes so... to talk about <laughs> I think it's mike's, mike's mom's mashed potatoes <laughs> oh josh's mom oh josh which is, yeah because the next morning they wake up and josh is gone josh and nothing happens gone. in the night this time i think it's worth saying yeah there's no noises they actually sleep through the night and they wake up the next morning and he's missing and immediately heather starts panicking Mike seems pretty he's like he'll come back he's just gone yeah and she's like we always stay with an earshot like why isn't he answering so it ends up that they they don't really know what to do they they decide to just 
camp in the same place and I don't even well, think they no, they're, going the walking, they're like what should we do and I love this bit it's like oh uh, well we, went, we tried south yesterday that didn't work oh yeah. which way should we go east or west and they're like well, the wicked witch of the east or the wicked witch of the west I think one of them's like oh well the west was the bad one and like, okay we'll go east <laughs> <laughs> seems yeah. as good a reason as any yeah so, so yeah. they walk all, they walk all day still nothing nighttime comes on again they set up camp and this is really horrible because they're in the camp and they can hear what sounds like Josh screaming. Yeah, they like start to being hear tortured. this. It's agonizing. Yeah, screaming voice in the in the distance, like really far away, and immediately they they react. They just yeah. start. They try looking for they him. They can't find him. And it's almost again this real use of darkness. It's almost completely black screen, you know, in a black forest, and they can't agree where he is. You know, they, they, she thinks he's coming from one side. He thinks the voice is coming from the other side. And so in the next morning, the, you know, they sort of, she wakes up and finds a gift. So I couldn't really work out what it was. I know there were like some teeth, I think, in it. And... Well, there's actually a lot of speculation online about what it is. I think it looks like teeth. Some people say it could be bone. It seems to be a few different things but basically she it's a, it's a, a bundle mess. of twigs mm. it's about it's a bundle of twigs all tied together and sort of placed on top of it in the material of the flannel that josh was wearing is like a little bloody bundle wrapped in his mm-hmm. flannel so heather's like i'm just gonna move this i'm just gonna move this she doesn't she's almost hiding it from mike i think yeah. she knows mike will probably lose it and so she she just kind of throws it uh, in a way so as not to kind of further stress Mike who's currently like rocking so later she kind of goes to look at it uh, while Mike is sitting further away and her her reaction is priceless but it's just a tiny bloody bag of what looks like teeth or bone shards or body part pieces it's very I think I saw on, it's I very think, distressing yeah I think I saw on Wikipedia that they did get some human teeth from like a dentist you definitely can see it too. It's just, mm. I don't know what else is in there. So, but yeah, so uh, she's kind of freaking out, obviously, but she's hiding it from Mike. She's like, it's fine. Everything's fine. I'm just I'm cold. I'm tired. I'm yeah. And I just want to go. So Mike never even knows about it. And then of course they, they have to camp again. So now you're like night six, night seven. It's, you know, they're, they're probably completely out of food almost. And they can't make it anywhere. They're just walking in circles. And this is where you have the, the now iconic uh, scene of Heather crying into the camera. She's pointing it at herself. It's very close up and you get the nose flares and the mm-hmm. runny nose and the crying eyes. And she's just apologizing, just saying, I, I, it's my fault. I brought everybody into the woods. Yes, I'm, I'm I want to apologize to Josh's mom and to Mike's mom and everybody's mom. And I hate that lunch. I'm scared to close my eyes. I'm scared to open them. I'm going to die out here. I'm going to die out here. I even wrote that line down as yeah. well. Like it's so creepy, and and it was very mocked, very mocked. I think they even. I feel like she got a she got kind of a tough yeah. reaction from this movie. A little bit of an unfair reaction, I think, because I thought she led the movie really and absolutely as much as maybe sometimes she was a little bit like bossy, annoying. As I say, I totally see myself in her, <laughs> and you know, she, she was taking responsibility for everything and, and her, I believed her, I believed her. So it would have, it would be like a meme now for sure <laughs> if yeah. it was now, but, but then you start to hear a man's voice in the distance yelling. Yeah. And I, somebody please. Now uh, follow my voice. Now I didn't think it sounded like Josh. Did you? Not at first. And then, then Whereas, like, just the night before when you heard this, like, strangled cries, it was very obviously Josh. And it wasn't even words. So that's why I thought, what did you think? I, yeah, it sounded like someone in trouble, like someone had fallen somewhere. I was like, somebody, please help. And, yeah, they're even looking and they're like, is it him? Like, is, is that Josh's voice? They don't seem sure themselves, but who else could it be? So they kind of, yeah, they go looking for him with the two cameras. And yeah, I think there's a point where they've switched cameras at this point. Um, I think Heather has the black and white one and Mike has the, I think Mike, I think because the cameras also have lights on them, which might be why they're they're both using them. Um, And yeah, they go looking and they find a house, like the ruins, (gasps) abandoned house. house. That when they find that house, it is like, First of all, the house is so, it's obviously in disrepair. It's broken down. It looks dangerous. It's creepy. 
Like yeah. it's just creepy and it looks very old. And, and then also the fact that they've come upon this house after wandering through the woods, walking in circles, where has this house been? Yeah. This is how I spend the whole time. And especially because so... if you go back to when they're talking about to the townspeople and they talk about Russell Parr, the guy that killed all the kids. And it's like, yeah, he was a hermit who lived out in the woods on the mountain. So it's like, what have they felt? And they say they have, but it's like, if I'd stumbled across the house where I knew a man had killed a lot of children, I even thought I was like, I would nope the fuck out of there. Well, do you know, do you know what though? You hear Heather she says something like don't go in there yeah. don't go in that house she's caught mike's almost like in a panic yeah he's like oh i'm coming voice. to find you i'm coming to get you and she's just like no well he because is- he's already he's clearly not been able to hold it together the same yeah. way heather has he's much loopier mm-hmm. and i think he just he, it's all of a sudden maybe he sees it as like if there's another human they can get help or he sees it as some kind of i think he, at this point he thinks it's josh he's he's added he's sure it's josh because yeah. she's like, Josh, I'm coming, I'm coming. And like, they, they go into the house and yeah, um, you can hear Heather saying like, Mike, where are you? Because he's just sprinted into the house. and she's gone. Yeah. yeah. And you can hear someone screaming and he goes and up she, the stairs, upstairs. Mm, he's like, oh, running he's like crazy. Yeah. yeah. And Heather's just trying to keep up with him and she can't. And yeah, as they're going up the stairs, you see all these like horrible, like really weird, like it's almost like, almost like black children's handprints all up the walls i thought they were like in, bl- in blood yeah oh yeah it was dark i think it's supposed to be but you know yeah loads of them all over the walls yeah and, and like and then symbols, suddenly yeah and then mike's like the oh wall. no it's down in the basement and he sprints and heather's just upstairs screaming you just hear her upstairs like screaming like mike where the fuck are you basically Stop just calling running. after him yeah because yeah. didn't he i think he goes all the way up the yeah he does and then somehow he gets all the way down and she has, he gets confused. Yeah. Yeah. So he, yeah. He runs all the way down what, into the basement. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. He runs down to the basement. And then that's where you kind of see his camera falls. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then we're following Heather. And on she's, the black and white. Yeah. On the black and white. Screaming. Like, yeah. Mike, Mike, where are you? And she comes down to the basement and oh, this scene. I've Why got is it down. so creepy? <laughs> because you know something bad, something really fucking bad is about to happen and is happening and that this is not going to go well and you're just waiting this whole film like i said we never see the blair witch but you still don't know at this point that you're not going to see something and i'm glad that we don't but you don't know that you're just waiting for something to jump out at you and i've got her in here it's been over 20 years and i still watched this final scene through my hands like this oh i could barely look at it my shoulders were up like i was i had chills but basically she she's screaming she runs in with her black and white camera and the and she sees josh and he's just standing there facing the wall facing away from her and then her camera drops and it goes mm-hmm. and it spins for a few seconds and then the credits yeah and again in silence <laughs> so fuck it's it's so scary and Mm -hmm. so realistic i mean i actually wrote in my notes i'm not sure how you could improve this they capitalize on never showing the witch it's so simple parts are annoying but that's what makes it so realistic i mean oh oh, just to point out that the person standing in the corner it's mike standing in the corner Mm -hmm. yeah not Josh. That we got confused. Oh, did I say Josh? Sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally because obviously yeah. we we never actually see Josh again. Because I think no. the mm-hmm. the kind of implication is that Josh, like Russell Russell Parr in the forties, he's been possessed by the Blair Witch, and he's making Mike stand in the corner while he kills Heather. I think yeah. that's basically the implication. But yeah, that's a horrible scene where yeah, because we see Mike's camera go, and he's just stood in silence, facing away. Ugh. Like Ugh. how how is just a man standing in the corner of a basement facing a wall that terrifying? Well, that's why they're geniuses. It's yeah. all that buildup. It's yeah. all of it. It's the stories. Like, okay, so what's what's your score? How many um, Karens do you give? This how many Karens or how many how many little stick figure men? How many little Blair Witch stick figures do you give it? Four. <gasps> Explain. It's a great film. It's terrifying. I do think that apart from the very ending it does lose a little bit of its... It's one of those ones that you have to leave it, like, 10 years between watching. It yeah. loses a bit of its rewatch value, which is mm-hmm. why my score's not higher. For me, rewatch value is not so important because you're. it's never going to hit you quite the same way as the first mm-hmm. one does. But truly and- but truly great. Like my, my absolute fives 
they might hit differently, but it's always as powerful every time I watch them. So interesting because, okay. And I don't disagree. I really don't. I think I even said it earlier. Like you can't, it's not a film that you can watch over and over because it does lose its edge when you do that. So for me, I even wrote down, I want to give it a five because I actually feel really, after I finished watching it, I thought, yeah, I've been sort of underestimating it. But I, I don't rank it that highly. Like, it never makes it in my top 10. No, Blair it's not in my top not, 10. It's not in my top 10. And so I even wrote, I'm like, I don't enjoy it, but I do. The suspense is great. And I actually sort of loved Heather by the end, even though she drove me nuts. And you couldn't have had the film without her. I mean, let's be no. real. She guided the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So I gave it a 4.8. I still okay. rated it really high. Mm-hmm. I rated it really high. I really yeah. do because I don't think there's a whole lot you can do to improve it. Even if I don't personally put it on my list, yeah. it's definitely still up there. It's a it's yeah. a great film. I think everyone should see it at least once and watch it with an open mind. Don't go in. I think you're doing yourself a disservice to go in and kind of be like, oh God, I'm gonna watch a film, but I know it's not real. Like, I don't know, try and transport yourself back a little bit, not even necessarily whether it's real or not, because I think it's still enjoyable even as a standalone yeah but thinking about it as a documentary as a found footage documentary I think does improve the viewing mm-hmm. experience yeah. but absolutely recommend it everyone should it is it. brilliant and you're right from what you said before like it's it's not the first found footage film and it's not the first found footage film to market itself in the same way because Cannibal Holocaust in 1980 that was a found footage documentary film and yeah. they the filmmakers basically paid the stars to for, to fuck off for a year. They were like, you need to go away, go on a holiday for a year. They build it as a real film to the point where the directors, that was Italian film, got taken to court because they thought they'd actually killed the actors. They had to bring back the actors from their like year long vacations. So they could come to court <laughs> and be like, oh no, no, we're alive. It's just a film. Wow. Um, yeah. So I do think the Blair Witch Project, I think the guys really did use that a lot, but Cannibal Holocaust, because of its content, it was banned in a lot of places. The proper like 1980s video nasty kind of. Well, wasn't there a lot of like stuff about the animal? The animal, abuse? a lot of animals get killed in Hannibal Holocaust. Oh, yeah, it yeah. is a very, very much a, a difficult watch. But in the filmmaking and how they try to show it as a real film they definitely borrow a lot from cannibal holocaust in the blair witch but it's almost like they took that idea they managed to push it to the point where you were never sure but yeah they definitely kind of pushed that pushed it in the right way which i think is yeah, why I mean, it works so well yeah and although i do think in terms of like blair witch i don't think that feeling of is it real is it not real lasted that long I no that's what i mean i think yeah, yeah, I think they showed it at Sundance, like fairly, wasn't very long that this camp, this viral campaign sort of thing existed. Yeah. But yeah, very much a product of its times, like we said. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I'm glad, I'm so glad you chose it in the end. I actually really, I was really happy to rewatch yeah, it. Yeah, me it had, too. It had been, it had been so long. Mm-hmm. Have you seen the new one? Do you know? I didn't know there was. And then I was Googling, just doing research for the podcast and I, and I saw it and I thought, do you know I would watch that? Yeah, I would watch me too. it just to see. Because I was thinking, what have these directors done? This is all so genius. What are they up to? You know? So I know, I think me and my husband were looking yesterday when we were talking about it. And like one of them has done a lot of TV work. You know, I think they've done like a few, I think it's like a few episodes of like Supernatural and a few episodes of okay. a show called like Taken and things like that, which, you know, very like sci fi or thriller or like horror edgy type things but yeah this film considering how well it did and how kind of influential it was and things no one came like the directors and the stars of this film did it didn't blow up for them it didn't become you know I think the actors almost suffered from the viral campaign well I know Heather has said that she regrets using her real name because Mm -hmm. it made it difficult for her to find work after this yeah yeah because I'm pretty sure they or at least I think she did come from more of like a theater background as opposed to film specific films so Mm -hmm. or screen acting rather so I mean yeah like I I don't know maybe they went back to doing theater but they were all very good yeah the acting the directing the idea of it the way that they edited it together my god yeah. very clever and it's and it's short and sweet you know yeah no, it's uh, an hour and 20 I think and it didn't even feel I, that long no and I think they that's perfect because I think if you cut any more you would lose some of that beautiful slow build up and progression of of unsettling events that you really yeah. get and 
and this breakdown of their exactly you need you need to see the tension being built up and their kind of sanity broken down and that needs to be a slow process because otherwise it would just be it wouldn't work it wouldn't work yeah no. you would probably disengage and so yeah I think yeah that this is what I mean it's hard really to improve on it the way that it is the time that it was done yeah absolutely that's it so yeah I'm really okay. glad that we did this good suggestion Jenny yes and hey listeners if you have any suggestions yes because we're kind of out. you know we've got loads of ideas but what do you want to hear it's not necessarily what we want to you know always what we want to talk about we'd like to know what you want us to talk about is there anything from your childhood that you want us to go back and watch and talk about or what's your favorite scary movie do you know of a folk or that we didn't mention in the episode um yeah absolutely because there are there are lots of different films that are worth watching Um, or is there something that you think is so scary (gasps) that it will it will do us in and we we haven't seen it yes yeah, but we would love to hear from you. As always, Jenny always says, like, subscribe, share, um, just engage with us. We love you. We appreciate yep. you listening, all of you out there. Yeah, and the, the most the most helpful thing you can do to help us grow is to follow, subscribe, and to rate and review us as well. Um, without that, you know, the, the podcast platforms just don't put us forward for new listeners. So no one can find us. So please, if you've listened to us, obviously we'd love it if you rated us five stars, but, you know. We'll take what we can get. Be true to your heart. That's all that we ask. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Until next time, Jenny. Brothers Keg, take us out. Bye. Bye.